Alright, what's up guys? Welcome back to the Slam Dunk Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Jensen. Uh, unfortunately, Chance cannot be with us today, but we do have two familiar voices on the pod. Uh, we got Kellen Voss and D'Angelo Starks calling in on the phone. Guys, how's it How's it going? I'm feeling good. The U.S. just won the World Cup, so uh, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling a lot of pride for my country right yes. now. Yeah, World Cup winners. Yeah, uh, great. It was a lot of fun to watch. I'm feeling Feeling pretty good too. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I'm running about three hours of sleep. But all right, all right. So we're we're all feeling pretty good then. Um, that ain't that ain't nothing new. We're good. Ain't nothing new. So uh, we got we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we haven't talked to you guys in about two two and a half weeks, and so we got a lot that has happened since then. Uh, a lot of Pistons news. We can start with the Pistons. Uh, let's just start with the draft in general. We'll just we'll touch on the first round pick uh, for a little bit. Uh, Sekou Dumboya out of France. Uh, he's 18. Uh, sort of was a unknown throughout most of the draft process until about the last two, two and a half weeks of the draft, actually. Or two, and a half, two, two and a half weeks leading up to the draft, I should say. Uh, people really started to talk about him, and uh, he, he fell off of some draft boards and down the actual draft board to the Pistons at 15. Um, he seems like he has a chance to be the next Pascal Siakam. A lot of the picks the Pistons have made in recent years have kind of been safe picks, guys who don't have high ceilings. But this guy has the potential to be really good in this league, and I love the risk the Pistons took here with this pick. Yeah, for, for me, he was a guy that I had just seen in mock drafts throughout the entire draft season. But I had I didn't know a lot about him uh, my, my real introduction to him in his game at all was a video that you had actually sent me, Noah. So I then I learned, learned a little bit more, looked up a little bit more. And, I, I mean, like both of you guys have said, like you can't deny the upside of this pick. And for a guy his size and, like, with his length, he has a, a pretty good-looking jumper that you can definitely build on. Like, most guys have, like, clanky jumpers and jumpers that just aren't smooth at all but he doesn't have that at all he has a pretty smooth looking jumper so i'm excited about that yeah going into draft night i was really i was really high on seku uh i i had said to d'angelo i thought he was in a tier with uh deandre hunter and Jarrett culver i thought he was that good watching everything i did uh watching a uh there was a pro day video on him that that i was able to watch and uh just all the tools that he had looked like uh People are calling this a real uh, a gamble, and uh, he's a project. I think watching him play as much as I have, he he was a he was one of the safer picks you could have made. I think in this draft, w- with the with the amount of upside that he has, uh, how how great he is defensively already. Uh, that's not that's not a skill he has to learn, and that's something we don't have on the Pistons is a switchable defender. That's about six eight six nine who needs to be guarding the the threes. That that run the league uh, in today's game, and so uh, I thought, w- and uh, I thought what what the Pistons did at 15 was was perfect uh, for for where they're at right now. Um, as far as development goes, though, uh, I have mentioned we both we all have mentioned that some people may think that he's a little behind schedule or he's not ready yet. What do you guys think going into the season where he will he'll be slotted in? I think there's a solid chance that he actually is the starting small forward for the Pistons. I mean, if you look at this roster, it's pretty much him and Tony Snell as the guys who mainly play the three position for the Pistons. I think a starting lineup of Jackson, Kennard, Tim, Griffin, and Drummond is the most likely to see as the starting five for the Pistons next season. Yeah, I would I would probably agree with that. Um, the only other option is really starting 
Tony Snell, which I mean is possible if he's not coming along as fast as you like. But I think he's gonna, we're going to see him get plenty of opportunities, and he's definitely going to have some moments that are just going to wow us as a, as a fan base. And outside of like Griffin and sometimes Drummond, they haven't really had that in a while. So it's nice to have something to look forward to. And he's so young; like you can't. I don't think you can ever call that a bad pick just because of how young he is. He's so far from a finished product. Yeah, he was the youngest player coming into the draft. Um, and and honestly, it doesn't the the way his body is built and the way he plays the game, it doesn't really look like he plays like he's that young. We unfortunately haven't been able to see him in the summer league yet. Uh, he he's been dealing with a hamstring, I, I believe, a hamstring injury. And so uh, we, we won't uh, see him in, uh, for another couple days now uh, in the summer league, hopefully at least. And, uh, but just the video that you can see on him in, uh, in France, he, he runs the floor really well. Uh, the jump shot is something that you were worried about when he was playing in France, but uh, after watching his pro day and everything, you, you really feel a lot better about that jump shot. And, um, yeah, I, I just keep saying that I, I'm, I'm – more than thrilled uh, with with the way the Pistons went here. Absolutely. So the same goes for me. Um, honestly, the Pistons really haven't taken a risk from a draft pick in the past couple of years, and so to get a guy who could potentially be as good as what Pascal, Pascal Siakam won for the Rock Raptors this year is a great move for the Pistons in the draft pick. Um, obviously, we really haven't seen him play in a real game yet with with the fact he's been sitting out of summer league, but. I saw reports yesterday that he's only sitting out of the first two games just to make sure he's okay. So he should be ready to play in that third summer league game they play later this week. Which, which is great to hear. And I think the thing that makes me feel so good about it is that they had a, a big glaring need and they went out and addressed it this offseason. They they got Tony Snell in a trade. They drafted Dumboy. And then they just had, we'll probably get to it, but they signed Marquise Morris. So now they have, before they came into the offseason really having no one could defend threes and like even stretch onto fours they now have three guys that could potentially do it and at least do it at a solid level so they they address the need in a big way and i think he's the biggest part of that yeah let's get into those free agent signings d'angelo uh markeith was the latest that we just got uh we were able to get him i think on like a three and a half million dollar deal over two years or seven million over two years i guess um, Not bad at all. No, you. We brought in Derrick Rose to be the backup point guard at 15 million over two years, and uh, a sneaky signing I think is a good signing. Uh, Tim Frazier coming in to be the third point guard, uh, especially with the injury risks of Derrick Rose and Reggie Jackson that they've had over the years. Uh, if you have Tim Frazier as your third guy to come step up in about 30 games this year, uh, that's a that's a great guy to lean on. Tim Frazier as your third point guard is a great Obviously, if he was a starting point guard, that would not be ideal. But for him to be injury insurance for both Rose and Jackie Jackson is a great signing for the Pistons to have. Yeah, I agree. I think every signing they made, especially for being a, a team with so little flexibility, they managed to do some really great things to just improve this roster all around and make it more well-rounded. I've become a big fan. Yeah. With, uh, with, Kawhi, with Kawhi leaving the East, is it too much of a hot take to say the Pistons are a top four seed in the East next season? I would, I, I would say right now, just looking at everything, the highest I would uh, put the Pistons at is five, more than likely. I'd probably have Philly and Boston ahead of them at the moment. Um, I would probably say Indiana's ahead of them, 
and Milwaukee. in Milwaukee, Milwaukee yes, somebody. yeah, Milwaukee is as well. Yes, I knew I was forgetting somebody. Yeah, Milwaukee. So that's where I would put uh, that. I would put Detroit at five at the moment. Uh, I, I think they're a better team than Brooklyn uh, without KD. I don't know if that Brooklyn Nets team got much better than they than they were last year, just swapping D'Angelo Russell for Kyrie and giving DeAndre Jordan ten million dollars this year to do basically nothing on the court. To be a worse, to be a worse version, a worse older version of Jared Allen. Yeah, and uh, they didn't really add any other pieces to that. And so where the Pistons are at right now, I think it's safe to say that they are they are a top five seed in the East. I I think, D'Angelo. I would, I would agree right now, I think, because there's, I mean, the East, the Pistons, I think, got better, and the East also just got worse with Kawhi leaving, so that opens the, opens the door. I think everyone we said is more, most likely to be better. Obviously, I think the Pacers are just more well-rounded, Yeah. and with all the people coming back, obviously, it will be a, a big thing, but I don't think five is out of the question at all. And at this point, we're ready, Jackson. Blake Griffin being the players that they are, it's safe to say that they're going to miss a few games this season due to injury, but if this team can manage to dodge the injury bug, they have a lot of talent and a lot of depth, and I see great things ahead for the future. Tons of depth, and uh, one other one other move that they're looking to make is Langston, uh, they, they're looking to trade Langston Galloway. Um, hopefully they can, they can maybe find a, uh, another backup big to bring in, uh, Besides Thon Maker and Markeith Morris, there really isn't anybody coming off the bench. I guess you could slide Seku at the four, but there's really nobody that can play that backup five uh, in, a, in a pinch. And so hopefully they can either move Langston, free up some money, or use that use a veteran minimum and try to uh, try to snag a, snag somebody for a cheap price on the market. Um, some big news that has been coming out, uh, just I guess on Pistons Twitter mostly. Uh, after the Paul George trade yesterday, it was rumored that uh, it was reported, I guess, by by Woj that Oklahoma City and Russell Westbrook are working on possibly a, a trade this offseason. And one of the names that keeps getting brought up in the or one of the teams, I should say, is the Detroit Pistons. And I think that brings a lot of shock to all of us. Um, I don't think it's a guy that either of the three of us want to see in a Pistons uniform next year. What are your guys' initial thoughts on a possible trade for Russell Westbrook? I mean, it really depends on how the Pistons front office wants to attack these next couple seasons. If they're in the mood to win now and they want to take the in the fact that the East is very wide open, having Russell Westbrook on the squad is actually not a bad idea in my opinion. I mean, obviously he's not a great locker room guy. He hasn't been proven to be a winner ever since he lost Durant. But if you add Westbrook, you have three superstars in Westbrook, Drummond, and Griffin, which is something that not a lot of teams in the NBA have these days. So I would definitely take that risk if I were the Pistons. It just depends on the price of the trade. Okay, uh, a couple things. I think I am very, very like staunchly against this. I think having three stars like this and possibly superstars, like you said, is obviously a great thing. But I think the problem is that Blake Griffin is the best shooter of that group. Yes, that, that is a concern. That's not ideal. Yes. Um, and also, you'd be paying those guys almost $100 million between the three of them. And, I mean, I know if you're going for it, you're going to go for it, and cap really isn't going to matter. But for me, I think that's just too much to put in on three guys, especially when two of them are – well, one of them is extremely injury-prone. Westbrook picks up little things here and there, and – 
I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big fan of his. I, I, he would sell tickets. Him being in Detroit would certainly sell tickets. He kind of fits that Detroit mentality of like the the run it, the, the uh, junkyard dog, um, try to fight for everything. It's just I don't know if he if he would fit in terms of being a good presence for the young players in the locker room. I think that's the the big thing. I think he's not a basketball fit. He is certainly a city fit. I don't mm-hmm. think you could argue that ever. But with the smart and kind of more calculated moves they've made this offseason. I think it would, it would just be reversing everything they just did to go out and do something like that. Yeah, I'm right there with you, D'Angelo. You know, some of the rumored trades are are having uh, Sekou and Tony Snell in that trade, and we would be moving two pieces that we went out to get because we didn't have those on our on our team this summer. And we, like you said, we would just be reverting back uh, onto the same course, uh, having not a lot of shooting, not a lot of switchability in your defense. I have been on record to not be the biggest Russell Westbrook fan, and uh, I, I don't, I don't look too much into those empty triple doubles that he puts up on a nightly basis, and um, I, I really am not a, I, I just am not a big fan of his and uh, him coming to Detroit. I mean, it would be hard for me to argue that they aren't a top two or three seed if they get Russell Westbrook, um, but I, I just I, I don't want. Uh, that cap situation, you know, you bring that up, D'Angelo. There are rumors that uh, Andre Drummond is going to opt out of his contract uh, next off season and possibly go for okay. some go for some more money. So potentially, if he opts out of that deal, maybe if you make this trade, you have only got Blake and Russell on the books next year, and um, then you have then that's uh, that's the cap that you're worrying about. Okay. That's so, so that's 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 about the only thing that I could that uh, uh, you know I was talking I was talking with you, D'Angelo, about trying to be the devil's advocate here, but you know it's so hard to to do that when every argument I can make for pro Westbrook I think can just be shot down uh, with a negative argument against him. Here's the thing that I'm that I'm uh, struggling with though. Uh, do you- there's, we talk about tradable assets and corralling um, draft picks all the time in the NBA in terms of getting ready for your future. But if you're not willing to make a move for a superstar like this, like Russell Westbrook, there's no point in acquiring all those assets and anything. I really think that um, the, the East is wide open right now, and acquiring acquiring Russell Westbrook would give the Pistons a legitimate shot to make it to the NBA Finals this next season. I think Price. I, I think Price has a lot to do with it. I, I really do, and I've and I've also been reading some uh, a couple things here and there that uh, possibly the Thunder might want to give up draft compensation to get off of that contract. They might be willing to add a pick into the deal, and uh, so it might lighten the load a little bit uh, for us Pistons fans. But I mean, say you send over, uh, say you send over Reggie Luke and a couple first and a, and a salary filler in Langston. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would be upset with it, but I I, I would ha- probably have to learn to live with that with that trade. See, for uh, for me, I don't disagree with you at all, Kellen, on the fact that you need to at some point you need to pull the trigger on going out and getting a guy with with the assets that you do have. But I think it's about getting the right guy. And if you pull the trigger on getting the wrong guy, then not only are you out on the guys that you gave away. When you were throwing away seasons by getting like a, a bad chemistry fit or a bad basketball fit, and I think there's a pretty high possibility that 
this could be both. Like, you you have no idea how him and Blake Griffin... Like, Blake Griffin is an, an interesting personality guy. So far, he's gotten along with everybody, but you have no idea how he and Russ... Russ is, like, a... I think even a worse... He has, like, a more hot-headed version of Chris Paul, and Blake and Chris Paul didn't get along. So, like, what do you think would happen if you put those two on the same team? You know what I mean? That's a good point to make, yeah, honestly. I don't know. Yeah, that might be the one reason why... Um, the Russell Westbrook trade wouldn't be favorable in the Pistons set. And for Pistons fans, you don't want to see that um, feud that Blake Griffin had with Chris Paul come to Detroit with Russell Westbrook. I just think that, you know, uh, if, you, if you're a Pistons, if you're a Pistons, right, if you're the Pistons right now, you have this one or two year window where the East is looking very, very open. And you might as well take that shot while you have it at getting Russell Westbrook. You don't know when this next place is going to end up you don't know when this. Uh, you don't know when a superstar like this is going to be able to be tradable again. Honestly. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's fair. I think if the deal was what Noah said, that's fine. But like, don't give up Seku. Just don't. If, if you could do it by giving up Reggie and Luke and Langston, like you said, maybe a couple picks. That's not the worst thing in the world. Like that's something that you could come to live with as a fan. But if you overpay. It's just gonna leave a sour taste in your mouth, I think. Yeah, and that's and that's why I'm more and more not not I would say leaning towards the idea, but I'm I'm warming up to it if it happens. I guess if that is if the price is an okay price to to get Russell Westbrook at, but you're preparing to talk yourself into it. Yeah, I'm preparing to talk myself into it if it's if it's a good enough trade package. But if we're giving up, if if we give up Seku and Luke for for example, those are our two. Recent and most our be- most best our best draft picks that we've had, um, and so I would I would hope we could keep those two those two guys around if we did make a trade. Um, the reason that Russell Westbrook trade rumors are coming up uh, are because Paul George got traded to the Clippers because Kawhi Leonard signed with the Clippers and formed formed a new uh, dynasty of sorts in L.A. Uh, Kawhi, uh, or uh, excuse me, LA sent out uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and I believe six draft picks for Paul George. Yep. And uh, That's so many assets. That's like seven people just for Paul George. But it is. But I think I think we're probably about to say the same thing, Noah. I think uh, I think Bill Simmons made a pretty good point in the in the sense that. It's really not just Paul George, though, because without going out and getting Paul George, you're not getting Kawhi. Yeah. So really, you're overpaying for Paul George to know that you're also getting Kawhi with that. And at the so same it, point... It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot, no matter what. But, you know, if I got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I don't care about the 28th pick in the draft, okay? Uh, in the next four years, that's what they're going to be in in the West. They're going to be a top four seed, and they're going to have one of the best records in the West while they're there. So why do I care about having that 20, 25 to 30th pick in the draft? And if I can have those two guys with already having all the young assets, I only had to give up of the team that I had uh, a guy in Danilo who I was willing to move anyways and Shea Gilgis was the only actual young asset they gave up. I think L.A. completely won this trade from Oklahoma City. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, when you talk about, uh, speaking of Bill Simmons, when he was talking to Chris Mannix about this in his most recent pod, uh, Chris made the excellent point of the Clippers were kind of going to be in purgatory if they don't make this move. Because, yeah, 
Last season, they were a frisky seven or eight seed who won a game against the Warriors and looked really good. But if you don't make a move like this, that's kind of all they were going to be for the next four or five seasons. So we talked about that win-now mentality that the Pistons kind of are looking to be in right now. The Clippers have fully put all their chips on the table in getting Kawhi and Paul George. And I honestly think that this makes them the favorite to win the NBA Finals right now. I, you, you'd be hard-pressed to find an argument for me just because they were able to hold on to that team that was so scrappy. Like, you still have Patrick Beverly. You still have Landry Shamit. You still have Montrose Harrell and Will Williams. You still have a lot of guys that can play and play well, whereas the team, like, and that plays in the same building, they they have two probably top five guys. They, they have two top five guys. But, I mean, they surrounded them with Jared Dudley. And, I mean, Danny Green was a good backup signing. But I think... What the Clippers did here was masterful, and I would be I would be surprised if it didn't lead to them winning at least a conference finals or two, if not an NBA finals. Yeah, I definitely think this puts uh, the puts the Clippers uh, atop the Lakers in the West. Uh, we can t- we can go to the Lakers now uh, with the trade. I, I don't know if we touched on that touched on it much on this podcast at all, but Anthony Davis was traded to the Lakers um, a couple weeks back. And uh, they finally have been able to, since Kawhi signed, they were finally able to sign some more guys to fill out that roster. And, you know, I don't really think it looks too bad, if I'm being honest. I don't, That's not horrible. No, it's not, it's not, the, it's not, as, uh, it's not as bad as the signings they made last year. Granted, they had more money, to, or did they have more money to use this offseason? I don't really know. I, think they made I don't more. think so. No. So, about, let's just say about the same money as last year. So, they, so making better moves with that money, they... Uh, they brought in, like you said, Danny Green. Uh, they brought in Quinn Cook, I believe. Um, Rajon Rondo re-signed. Uh, they brought in, who was it, JaVale and DeMarcus Cousins as well. And so, uh, Jared Dudley, Troy Daniels, just shooters that can play a little bit of defense uh, coming off the bench. And um, who's, there? who's that team's point guard, like starting point guard? Either Rondo. Either Rondo or Quinn Cook, I would say. When you have Ron on your team, though, do you need a starting point guard? No, not necessarily. You don't necessarily, but you... Like, neither one of them are ending... Neither one of them are ending games, I don't think. Maybe Quinn Cook because of his shooting. Yeah, it's just... You gotta have guys that can defend their position, too. You know, LeBron's not guarding point guards. LeBron's hardly guarding anybody these days. So, that's a good mean. You know what I mean? That's just, like... Your best def- perimeter defender on that team might be Contavious Caldwell Pope. Maybe. Yeah, like, I heard. As, as, I, I did. Pistons fans know that's a scary thought to think about if KCP is your best perimeter defender. Maybe Troy Daniels. Like I don't. I don't know. Like, yeah. You, know, you just you don't have you don't have much more other than other than uh, LeBron, AD, and and Kuzma as your as your three guys. And can you can you end games with those three? Is that is that a three man lineup that you can you feel good about ending games with with two other, with whatever whoever else you want to throw in there, whatever two guys, is that is that uh, something you think would work? I think you can figure it out. Uh, I I do think that it's not it's not that bad. I think Kuzma obviously can play off the ball and he can shoot well enough off of spot-up threes, especially with the addition of Danny Green. So that gives you, like, two spot-up options. I think that's not that's not bad to think about. But, it, yeah, I don't know. It's still a weird 
fit. It's going to be weird to see how that does play out. And by the and by the middle of the season, there's going to be there's going to be players that are bought out. Um, Kyle Corver will be available. I yeah, mean, be guys. Yeah, Dwight Howard just got bought out at Memphis. You know, you can bring him in. <laughs> Oof, that'd be no. fun one. Bring him back. Yeah, yikes. That would be a, a fun three-man center rotation, though. That would be Boogie, DeMarcus, and uh, Javan. Just, just really, like, all-time Shaq in a fold. Like, it's just like... Shaq, would, Shaq would watch every Lakers game, I think, at that point. Absolutely. There's no doubt. Um, I, I guess let's just let's rapid-fire go through the other uh, bigger moves. Uh, we can look at Philadelphia. They signed... Al Horford and then traded Jimmy Butler to Miami uh, in exchange for Josh Richardson, I believe. They also sent. They I think they might have sent out some more pieces. I'm not sure. Maybe it was just Jimmy. But they just they, all they got back was Josh Richardson. Uh, but signing Al Horford, uh, that's a that's a pretty good signing. You know, he was the Joel Embiid stopper in the East, and now you pairing you're pairing those two together, and that's a huge starting lineup. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's huge, and I think that's going to end up being the most underrated move free agency is that acquisition of uh, Al Horford. Uh, like you mentioned, Noah, not only can, was Al Horford the only one that's able to stop Joel Embiid on defense, he's going to be a great factor on offense because he's over the last three seasons he shot 38% from the three-point line, which is the second best out of any starting big besides Carl uh, Anthony Towns. So with that inside-outside game, they can play with – Embiid being able to kick it out to Horford out on the three point line is going to be a huge for it's going to be huge for Philadelphia in the future. I think. I'm. Go ahead, Daniel. I'll, I'll I'll let you go first. Well, I'm just I'm just interested in seeing with if Tobias Harris and Al Horford are your two best shooters on the floor, how well that team runs because what's Ben Simmons doing on offense now? You know he's he's going to be standing in a corner waiting for these guys to do whatever they want. He's not he's not going to be a threat. And I don't, I don't know how well that's going to work uh, with with Ben Simmons. You know, they just gave him an extension, so they're they're locked into this team for the next four or five years, and so that that's what worries me a little bit. I've always been worried about a, a fit with Ben Simmons, and I think bringing in another big sort of hurts that fit for him. And I, I I'm just really interested to see where the offense is going to come from if if uh, Al's not hitting shots and. And you know, Joel is uh, is struggling down low. It, it's going to be yeah, interesting. That plays pretty well into my point because I I think the most important thing with this team is Brett Brown. I think all of these players are good. They're all talented, and there is a way that you can make them work. But I don't know if Brett Brown is the guy to figure out how to make them work. He couldn't figure out how to make them work last year in an efficient, smooth way. A lot of times you had Ben Simmons playing in a in a position or standing in the spot where Joel where Joel Embiid realistically should be because he's dominant from that spot, the short post, and he's just the short corner and the short post. He should be getting the ball there and going to work. Instead, he has to worry about getting out of Ben Simmons' way because he needs to get out of other people's way. I think if, if Brown is able to work something out to where cause they have four guys who can, at the very least, shoot a little bit, I think Josh Richardson is a little bit underrated in the mind of, like, wider NBA circles. Yes, I'd agree but with he you He took a big step forward last year. I think he was the best guy on Miami, which wasn't saying a lot on that team last year. But he can shoot, and he's a really good, versatile defender. I think it just is weird to see because they don't have any shooting off of their bench either. 
Zaire's I don't think they really have any bench unit at this point. I mean, Boban signed with Dallas. Who really comes off that bench and makes its impact to the Sixers? McConnell's not on that team anymore. Like they did, they resigned. They did resign Mike Scott, which isn't that. That's the only one off the top of my head that I know of. I think, for some I reason, Thibel. I think Thibel can contribute at, at playing defense at least. So he gives you something. But the thing is, what they're looking for is offense, and that's what that's what worries me off the bench. And they, I, I just, I, I don't know if they're going to score a lot over a hundred this year, but they're probably going to hold a lot of teams under a hundred. So, oh, absolutely. So it's going it, to, it might be a different style of play than we're than we're used to seeing uh, in today's NBA. Do we really need to touch on the Jimmy Butler side of the win Miami Heat? I don't. No. I okay. I didn't. No. I don't think that team is that special. I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs, and we can just move on from that. Um, Butler just be a star somewhere. That's all he wants. To yes, do that's all yeah, he wanted to do. Like, you know, he's an older. He wants to be loved. Better version of Josh Richardson. Yeah. He's not that much better. He's better, obviously. Like he's, but he's not that much better than Josh Richardson. No. In terms of the locker room presence, though, Josh Richardson's probably the better player because he's not really gonna bring drama to that Philadelphia roster that. Uh, Butler brought them last season. Yeah, so maybe yeah, that maybe it's a, an addition by subtraction in that sense uh, for for Philadelphia. Hopefully, some things uh, sort of uh, are, are better in the locker room. You know, there was a lot of a lot of tension last year with that group not not knowing who was going to get the ball more often, and so uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, D'Angelo Russell's in Golden State. That's uh, that wasn't something I think anybody was expecting. Out of nowhere on Sunday night? Not at all. I and, think, uh... Yeah. The, those are just kind of the smart things that smart teams do, where, like, you know you're going to lose a guy. So instead of just outright losing him, you, you just, you get something. And yeah. D'Angelo Russell is a very good something to have. Uh, they've already I, announced, they've already announced that they want him to be a trade asset uh, in the future. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if, uh... If he's gone and by February, uh, at least by the beginning of next year, I think he'll be moved. Um, Pistons got a lot of cap space; they might be able to trade for him. Um, I would like him more than uh, Russell Westbrook. Yes, I, I would. I would love D'Angelo Russell more than. He can Russell shoot Westbrook. the basketball. That's fun. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Um, they are an interesting team, especially if Clay can come back in February uh, from the ACL, which sounds like he might be able to. They signed Willie Collie. They they signed Willie Collie Stein. Underrated underrated signing, if you ask me. Yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's a, a better version. He could be a better version of of Kevon Looney. Um, for sure. Uh, they drafted Jordan Poole at twenty eight, which kind of surprised a lot of people. They Poole has kind of struggled in summer league so far. He shot like three for twelve in his first game. I think he's gonna struggle to make the roster. Shocker! Shocker! Yeah. Wow, I could have told I could have told Joe Lacob and Bob Myers that after watching him all year at Michigan. But I did like the second round pick of Alan Smalajic, I think is his name. He was on the uh, G League. He was on the Santa Cruz Warriors all the year last year, and they were able to bring him back. I think they're really high on him. He's only like 18, 19 years old. Yeah, uh, they've been trying to hide him. Yeah, uh, that's what the word is. They've been trying to hide him from I, other teams. I think but. they bought that pick this year just to make sure they could keep him. Oh yeah, New Orleans drafted that guy, and uh, yeah. they forced them to trade. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. So, and I'm not sure of the other signings if they've made much, if they've made it many other signings uh, this off season, but uh, 
I still think this is a playoff team if you have Draymond, Steph, and D'Angelo Russell. I think those three can at least get you to the playoffs. Um, there's a lot of people saying that they're they're not a playoff team, and that's and it kind of it, it surprises me a little bit. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. I think they're obviously a playoff team. I think I see them right now in the West, just because the West is so top heavy. I see them as like a five six seed with a chance to upset in the first round and maybe maybe give problems to a Clippers or a Lakers in the second round. They're obvious. I don't think they're the championship contender that they were last season, but they definitely can't be counted out of the playoff picture. That's ridiculous. No, I, I certainly wouldn't count them out, but I do. I think that there there are a lot of teams in the West that I like. I, I I'm gonna kind of just spitball this live and see where we have both LA teams. We're assuming are in. Yeah. Right. Um, yes. I think Denver's really good. Utah is really good. But after that, I guess I mean I'd probably put put Golden State right in that mix. I think that like with Portland, there's still Houston, Portland, Houston. Portland got worse. I think they lost both of their best two wing defenders. I don't. I I don't know. I just don't see how they. I don't, they'll make the playoffs, but I don't think they got better as a team at all. No, um, they they were. It was definitely weird that I mean they brought in Hassan Whiteside, who's I mean he's gonna play most of the year, but then when Joseph Nurkic come back comes back, I don't know what sort of role Hassan's gonna play because you're just gonna put him back in the same exact role he was playing. Um, in Miami, they right. uh, at the same time. There, just they don't really fit very well together. No, and, and that's assuming Nurkic comes back from the injury because that was a very gruesome injury that he went through. But all signs are looking like he's he's recovering well, so he may not be himself. But I still think 85, 80 percent juice of Nurkic I'd rather have over Hassan Whiteside on the floor. Absolutely, so 100. So that's I think losing. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think losing Heartless and Aminu are both significant moves. I just, they, they, their roster is going to look different, and I think that's going to be in a worse way. But I, uh, one more team that I think will, I personally do think that this team will make the playoffs is the, the Pelicans. I really like that roster. Yeah, that the roster's really young, but what David Griffin was able to do to add the veteran pieces was nice. You know, you brought in J.J. Redick, you brought in Derek Favors, two guys that uh, they've been around the league. You know, J.J.'s been a part of a rebuild in, in Philly. Uh, Derek Favors has uh, spent spent a lot of time in Utah uh, with, with that younger team. Uh, he knows he knows how to uh, how to manage that kind of team. And so, you know, I think that's a I think those are two really underrated moves. Um, I, I think absolutely. I definitely could see the Pelicans uh, getting into the getting into the playoffs uh, as well as the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the, the what David Griffin did was he just got a lot of at least solid guys. So mm-hmm. you know that team has a a good floor, and you just have a lot of guys that can contribute. I would say you probably have at least seven or eight guys that you know that can at least give you quality minutes. Like none of those people are bad players, and that's just where you want to be as a franchise. And I think Dallas with Kristaps coming back. And obviously, you have Luka Doncic. We're imagining taking another step forward as the great player that I think we all think that he is. Definitely, yeah. On the way up. David Griffin had a great offseason in terms of the fact that he lost Andy Davis via trade, got a lot of assets for him, and then 
I don't know if the Pelicans are going to necessarily miss Davis that much. They're kind of the same team without him. I mean, when you obviously adding Zion's going to be a huge part of that. But they made a lot of savvy moves this offseason in the signing of uh, Redick and Favors. I, like D'Angelo said, I really like that roster, and it wouldn't surprise me if they sneak in as a 7 or 8 seed in the playoffs in the West. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of good teams in the West and a lot of good uh, teams coming up in the West. Um, the there's two there's two last major moves I want to touch on. Unless there's something that you guys think I've missed, um, Kyrie Irving to the Brooklyn Nets and Mike Conley to the Utah Jazz. Uh, those were the those were the last two bigger moves uh, that we saw uh, this off season. And um, as far as the Jazz go. Um, I think that's a team in the West that can certainly compete with the Clippers as the number one seed, and uh, I really like what uh, what uh, Utah has been able to do this offseason, uh, bringing in bringing in Mike Conley and uh, adding Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, those are two really good playmakers for themselves, really good shot uh, shot makers that you have on the floor to add next to Donovan Mitchell with uh, Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles out there. And um, I really, I really think they are up there as one of the top two or three teams in the West right now. I love that team. I, I, I really do. I think Mike Conley is probably going to help bring Donovan Mitchell up a level that we haven't quite seen yet in terms of making him or helping him become a more fully fleshed out playmaker for the rest of his team while also still being their best scorer and. I have been on record. I love Quinn Snyder as a coach. I think he's one of the best coaches, best probably three or four coaches that we have in the league. And he'll be able to do great things with that team. And like he said, I think that they can really compete with the Clippers. They have great perimeter defense. They play. They have always played great defense. And that would be a, a series that would be a lot of fun to watch. They don't have the same star power as the Clippers now. But they still do have a lot of solid guys and really, a really good coach. When you look at their roster, they kind of have a roster that's similar to what Toronto was last season. That they have a lot of guys that can create their own shot and excel without the ball. Uh, Joe Ingles and Bogdan are both shooters that are obviously going to need the ball to succeed. But they've shown that they can move uh, move without the ball very well on offense. And I think the depth of that Jazz seems going to be huge. You know, they added Ed Davis this off season. Uh, Royce O'Neal, I expect him to take a step up. Dante Exum, if he stays healthy, can be quality backup point guard. Georgie Yang proved in the in the postseason that he can be that he can earn solid minutes for this Jazz team. They have a lot of flexibility, and I'd love to see them uh, see what they can do in the West this season. God, imagine if the Pistons would have drafted Donovan Mitchell, where where we could have been, where we could be right now. We we could be the Jazz of the East, for all we know. Um, I don't think Drummond is Gobert, but yeah, no, you're still. You'd be, I think you'd be in a better spot. Not that I think we're all happy with how they ended up where they are right now. Yeah. You know, it, it took a, it was a twisting road, but mm-hmm. they ended up okay. Um, but no, I absolutely agree. And you, you talked about Kyrie, and I mean, we should, we have to mention KD, even though he's not going to yeah, play this year. Yeah, this year I just I, I wasn't sure what, where we should really how we should really talk about that too much. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, just mention it. I don't think we really have to talk about him at all, but. Brooklyn will be a, a playoff team like they were last year. They'll be probably a, a little bit better in the regular season just because I do think that right now Kyrie is better than D'Angelo Russell. But, I mean, their ceiling is pretty limited this year without Kevin Durant. That is their, the biggest pull 
Yeah, I'm they're de- they're definitely playing. They're they're obviously playing for next year. And I brought this Which up to fine. and I brought this up to you, D'Angelo, before that. Um, you know, you are bringing in KD with Kyrie. Kyrie is making this decision to come to Brooklyn. Uh, this is where he, this is where he says he wants to be. Um, but I still worry as a culture fit, as a locker room guy, uh, how Kyrie's going to be because we saw him. We saw him last year completely ruin that entire team and locker room. It seems like uh, he he seemed to be the the root of all the problems in Boston. And you you bring him to to Brooklyn without KD being able to be on the floor and being in the locker room every day with these guys because he's going to be doing his own thing. You know you don't see injured guys always on the bench for every single yeah, game. No, sure. And he won't be there. No, games. no, he'll, yeah, he'll he'll show up to games at home. He he won't travel with the team. Uh, if the team if if and when the team makes the playoffs, he'll travel with them. But you're not gonna have the same feel uh, because this is Kevin Durant's team. This isn't Kyrie Irving's team, and uh, Kyrie's got to show that he can have a, a little bit of leadership that that he really didn't have last year in Boston, and that's what worries me is the is the culture fit and and uh, locker room fit that Kyrie's going to be. I don't know if KD's ever going to be able to step in and stop some things. I don't know if he has necessarily proved himself as a leader to be able to stop those things. We've seen in previous years with both the Thunder and the Warriors that KD has not only uh, not, a, not able to been avoiding the drama, he kind of has become a part of it when you look at the stuff that went on between him and Draymond this season. I think if things end up going badly for the Nets right away, you could see KD throwing some jabs, some verbal jabs at Kyrie, and I don't know if that bodes well for Brooklyn in the future. Uh, for me, I'm kind of I'm on the opposite end. I, I, I think the biggest risk with this is injury, not chemistry. I think both of these guys do like each other, and that's well documented. I, I don't ever think Kyrie was a great fit. It was a swing for both teams. Kyrie wanted out of Cleveland. And Boston wanted a star, and putting pairing him with those young guys, it was a risk. And I don't think that this isn't a risk because, like we we've seen that this guy can be all over the place. But I do think that the situation in Brooklyn is weirdly a little bit better for him. Obviously, like Noah said, he's choosing to go there, which I think that does matter at least a little bit. And you have guys like Spencer Digley, and I think the younger guys on that team even are different than Boston's in a way that they kind of play a more mature, more team-oriented sense of basketball where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are trying to prove that they can be top, like, headlining guys in this league, and Karis LeVert's not trying to do that. Spencer Dedwini isn't really a young guy, but he's not trying to do that. These these guys kind of already know their roles, and just plugging in Kyrie shouldn't cause any problems. That doesn't mean that there won't be problems, but I feel like... Katie and Kyrie are both kind of weird enough on the opposite spectrum. And I think everybody there knows that Katie is the best player. He's the face. And I think that was the problem in Golden State. So now I, I think it should be okay. But there's the possibility that it's not. Because who knows with those guys. They're so up and down. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be weird. I, I said when, uh, when um, Katie and Kyrie signed, I'd love to see... Uh, I'd, or uh, I'd like to see uh, uh, Hard Knocks being at being in Brooklyn just to see what uh, what the locker room is like during the off season. If if they are all there, 
you know, it'd be it'd be cool to see what that was like and see how how they're handling the situation because I don't I I think we could we're, we're going to hear some big stories coming out of there with with Kyrie. Now, if if some things are going a little south on the court, I think we're going to see some things uh, in the media that that Kyrie was doing in, in Boston last year. Um, with all the moves that were made in the East, uh, there really is no, I don't think, clear-cut best team. Uh, in your guys' eyes, and we'll start with Kellen first, who is that best team in the East? Who is your favorite to come out of the East right now? I think by default, I kind of have to go Philadelphia. I mean, they are four bounces away from being Toronto in the, in the, um, the stage before the conference finals last season. Uh, they got a lot better at adding Horford and Richardson. I think losing Butler is going to be that addition by subtraction, like you guys mentioned earlier. If they can add one or two more solid bench pieces, I think they're uh, the favorite to be the one seed in the East this upcoming regular season. Okay, I uh, I like that, and I'm I I'm going to say something else just to be contrarian, but I I do in my heart believe in that, but I uh, I like. I just I'm gonna just go ahead and just get it out and I like Indiana. I think okay. that I'm a big fan of the moves they made. I love Victor Oladipo, Malcolm Brockton make for a really they can guard anybody in the league in the backcourt with those two guys. I think Miles Turner got kind of overlooked as a defensive player of the year last year and I'm even getting not like not even being a finalist. So that I think he still has room to grow, especially in the offense and then he's already one of the best run protectors. And I think the biggest thing is they're they're really they have a piece and Sabonis if they feel like they don't need him they can use him to get another wing guy I mean they have options with that team and I think that that might be a little bit early getting on them I don't know if they'll necessarily win the East I think they could go to an Eastern Conference Finals and face like Philadelphia or Milwaukee it's just how they would fare against those guys and I think. They would put up a fight in any series right now. I really like that team. Yeah, you'd hope with Old Depot coming back, uh, he's going to be able to add a add an extra spark. You know, they brought in Malcolm Brogdon. We didn't really touch on the Pacers too much, but they brought in Malcolm Brogdon. They did lose Bojan Bogdanovich, but uh, they they still have a pretty good uh, group of they guys. They bring in Jeremy Lamb. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Okay. He's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, oh, that's and a. Yeah, that's a that's a good group, and if once you can add Oladipo to it, I think you can definitely see uh, an Eastern Conference Finals team uh, right there. Uh, I'm gonna go with the easy pick. Uh, I wanted to go with Boston, but uh, I'm gonna go with Milwaukee here. Uh, they brought back essentially everybody from last year's team. Um, they you would expect uh, Giannis to take another step forward like he has every single year. Um, you hope to see uh, some improvements from from Chris Middleton. You you probably are you you signed Brooke Lopez to a pretty big contract, and uh, you would hope that he brings the same value that he did last year. So you know with everything with everything that uh, has gone on in the East, they really stayed. They really were the they stayed the same uh, out of all out of all the teams in the East. And uh, they were two games away from from coming out of uh, the East and uh, knocking off Toronto, and so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Milwaukee here in the East. As far as a bigger picture, though, uh, who is your is your favorite uh, between both conferences? If you if you have to throw in the teams in the West as well, I would say Milwaukee. Um, I would say Milwaukee. Uh, 
probably my favorite. Um, they were a team that was a very solid team in the West that was able to defeat Golden State in that first round, give them a real challenge. And they, they got better in adding Kawhi and Paul George, two of the best five defenders in the league. I think on defense, that team is going to be able to hold teams to under 100 points a game. I think that they have they have a solid bench rotation, and they have seven or eight guys that can go to war and do well in that rotation. And I would say that um, they are the favorite to win the finals right now. Um, I'm, I probably have to go with the same thing. I was just I looked up the Pacers roster. I don't think they're going to win the finals. That's not what I'm getting at here. They just they made a couple moves that I forgot about. So they like brought in TJ McConnell. I forgot about the TJ Warner. They just brought in good, solid guys, a lot like what I said with the Pelicans. And so that's why I like that team. But I I think it's hard to pick against the Clippers with for all of the exact reasons that Kellen said. I just think that if you put them in a, a seven-game series with any team in the league right now, I think that they're probably going to come out on top. The only team that I would feel um, could really give them a run just because of their size and because of the talent is uh, Philly, but also watch out for Denver. So that's those are my three teams. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. I'm really high on the on the Jazz. I, I really like what they did. Um, you know that starting lineup, like we talked about, it's a it's a, one of the better starting lineups in the league. Uh, off the bench, you sign Jeff Green, and you hope. You know, so many teams have tried to find. Uh, or try to get the best out of Jeff Green that they can, and you only really get that uh, every so often. And so you hope that uh, the Jazz can unlock the best out of Jeff Green. But like you like you mentioned, Kellen, Royce O'Neal, you expect to have a, a breakout season next year. Dante Exum, you would you would expect to show some improvements. They brought in Ed Davis, so you're not losing too much defensively when you bring in Ed Davis for Rudy Gobert. Uh, he, he cleans up the glass really well. And um, I think the way that they're constructed, uh, they don't have the star power like the Clippers have or like the Lakers have or some other teams in the West. But I, I really think that uh, the, the Jazz could make, some, make, make a big run here in the West and, and potentially uh, compete for a title. Can I change my pick? Yeah. Uh, I like Denver. I just changed my mind. I forgot about it. Uh, I just was thinking about the bigger picture with them. And obviously, I think Jokic was an MVP candidate last year. He's just getting better. Jamal Murray really showed a lot in the playoffs, I think. I mean, they just paid him, so that could either be good or it could not be, be bad. But, I, 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 yeah, I feel like it's going to be good. I think he's really yeah. on the, uh, the come up. I think that Will Barton is a piece that they could potentially trade. If they needed to get help somewhere else, I really like Malik Beasley. And there's just that huge question: if Michael Porter Jr. is anything, if they can, I don't, I doubt that you'll see uh, Bull Bull this year. But if you could see anything out of this, those two guys this year, that just takes that team to an entirely different level that they just didn't have before. And I just, I like a lot of guys on this team, so I really feel like with. Just everything being so even, who's to say that they can't win three series in the West and come go to the finals? You just never know. Uh, yeah, I was a big I was a big Denver guy last year. Uh, my two concerns, um, I wasn't a real big fan of bringing back Paul Millsap. If I'm being honest, I uh, agree with you. I thought they could have I thought they could have used that money to to go after a better a better four 
uh, a guy like Tobias Harris, but maybe they didn't think they could they could bring anybody in. And uh, I, I just I think that you're gonna you're gonna lose a little more bringing him back. You know, he's I think he's gonna be 36 next year, and um, that's that's an older guy playing the four at six eight. I just don't know how how well that's gonna be. And you mentioned Michael Porter Jr. I don't see I if he if I knew he was going to be healthy and playing, I'd really love this Denver team. But he's already sitting out of uh, out of summer league with an, with another injury, and uh, it just seems like the Porter family in general just can't stay away from these injuries. And I, yeah, it's tough. I, it's you really know, tough. you know, I read I read somewhere that both his sisters had to retire from basketball because of ACL injuries. Uh, oh, that's you, you've seen you you've seen his brother Jonte go through some injuries. He's torn his ACL twice, and now all these injuries with Michael Porter. You know, it, I see a sign here that that points to uh, these injuries aren't just a fluke. It might just be who he is. Yeah, that's why I say he's the he's the big question. He mark. is. He's I a mean, huge question mark for that team because at six ten. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, was, I, I think we're probably going to say the same thing. I was going to say, the dude can just flat out score. And that's just a, another wrinkle that they could add as a big scoring forward. But, like you said, if the guy's going to keep spraining his knee in scrimmages and not being able to play, then you just, you just don't know what you have there. And that's the tricky part about really projecting this team because he's the guy that can take them to an entirely different level. Absolutely. Um, I think that's that's going to do it for us today. Uh, unless there's anything else on your guys' mind that uh, you want to get out on the airwaves. Yes, yes. both both Kellen and D'Angelo got a couple of new writing jobs this summer, if you guys want to plug those. You go oh. first. Oh, me? Okay. Um, well, I am recently, I was recently brought on to Motor City, to the Motor City Bengals, a fan-sided uh, Tigers blog, and I'll be writing there for them probably two or three times a week. I know the Tigers are not very fun, and they are not very good right now, but I will do my best to try to make it fun. So, if you like the Tigers, or if you care about me in the slightest, check it out. Absolutely. I'll be sure to check that out, and then I'm still writing stuff for our school newspaper, the Grand Valley and Thorns, the sports editor, but I recently just got a new position as an editorial columnist for uh, Clutch Points, the app. Uh, it's kind of an editing app, but they also have like editorial style, like ringer style pieces on there. And I'll be contributing to them about two or three times a week and uh, writing mostly Pistons stuff. So if you'd love to check my stuff out, just Google Kellen Voss, and that should be the first result that, that uh, shows up for you. Yeah, be sure to check those guys out. Uh... Follow us on shows. Noah's next. Noah, on the lookout for you know, next you know, I've worked twice for the Daily News here in town this summer. Uh, not as much as Ayo. I was, not as much as I was expecting to. But you know what? Uh, we're just gonna have to. We're gonna roll with the punches and find some. We're gonna have to just keep looking and finding something. So uh, yeah, uh, follow us on social media. Rate, review, subscribe to the to the podcast. Um, uh, guys, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. We had a good. It's been fun. Yeah, good. Yeah, good talk. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get you guys on again uh, before the summer's out, and um, uh, maybe we'll finally be able to see what Seku Dumboya is all actually about. Yeah, 
Yes, perfect. I'd love that. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Peace.